0: Shalom and welcome to Tuesday Night Scripture Study at Bridom. I'm Rabbi Eric, and we're glad that you've tuned in. I hope you'll share this either just by hitting the share button or a watch party button with your friends and family. We're going to be studying the book of Romans in context, continuing with that study tonight. We'll be in chapter 10 and 11, so you can get your Bibles or your Bible app open to that so you can follow along. I want to begin with a couple of announcements this Saturday morning. The railing twins, Isaac and Israel, will have their bar mitzvah. We encourage everybody to come on out and, out and be with them, support them as they become sons of the commandments. Uh, if you can't be here in person, I encourage you to watch the video online on Facebook Live. This Saturday coming up, we also have Children's Choir at 1 o'clock and Saturday evening, at six o'clock is our Baya Bible study. So those involved in the Baya group or the children's choir, please make note to come and be here on time for those things. Uh, please continue to pray for our VTS at half past three. Pray for joy under the sea. So every day at half past three, that's 3.30 for those of you who didn't understand that. That will be time to pray for our VTS. And if we pray every day for God's blessing and provision and anointing on the VTS, I know that our children will be impacted greatly by our Vacation tour to School. We're in need of a couple more volunteers for our nursery. If you're able to do that, please contact Rivka. Uh, We need about three more people in order to have a full staff for our nursery for each week of the month. If you're willing to serve one week a month or even one week every month and a half, let Rivka know so that we can have a nursery especially for our new families that come in Uh, For those that are regular congregations, it's pretty easy to hold your child in your lap and enjoy the service. Because you're used to what we do, it's not a brand new thing and you're not trying to find out what's going on or check things out. But new people coming to visit that have children, if they have a nursery where they can put their children in, they can actually pay attention to what's going on, hear the message, participate in the worship, and uh, hopefully that will impact their lives and, and they'll become part of us as a community. We're also looking for volunteers to run the MIVA, which is our video recording system on tuesday nights and saturday mornings and we're looking for volunteers to help drive people around as they need it we have some seniors who don't drive we also have several people that have had surgery recently and need rides to doctors or uh, physical therapy or things like that if you can help with that please contact leah at the office and uh, she'll help with that or hosanna either one uh, we are about um, $3,000 short of the amount to pay our complete uh, paint job on the outside of the building, the facelift on the outside of the building. If you feel led to contribute to help pay the paint uh, debt, no, not debt, it's not even a debt, it's just a, an amount that we are going to have to pay the painter when he finishes, uh, please uh, just donate that. You can, And if you're online and you're not local and you want to help, you can go to our shalompensacola.com website and just make a donation there online. Uh, the painting is looking really, really good. It makes the building look so uh, so nice and bright, and we're looking forward to, uh, to the completion of that, and we're looking forward to having all the money to pay for that paint job. So uh, please pray about helping. The Haggadahs are in. If you need a Haggadah for your family, Seder. You can come by the office Monday through Thursday and pick those up. They're six dollars per Haggadah, uh, and uh, it's a very simple Haggadah that you can just follow along, do Seder with your family. I want to remind everybody that we now have an app for our synagogue. If you go to the App Store on Apple or the Marketplace on Google or Android, you'll be able to download the app. Look under Brit Am Messianic Synagogue. Download the app. It not only will have our services on there, so you can watch the videos on there, uh, blogs, information about our synagogue uh, services and upcoming events, but it also has the weekly Torah readings on there, so those of you that like to have handy what the uh, Parsha uh, is for the week, you can just go to our uh, app on your phone and uh, follow along with that. And please be watching. We will be providing a recorded Seder teaching Uh, for Passover that's going to be available on March 27th online. Uh, We'll actually probably have it on YouTube before then, so keep watching for that. You can just follow along with that and it'll be informational for those that are leading their own Seder for their family. We have a number of prayer requests. Please continue to pray for Fred and Robin for healing, for little Lydia who had surgery yesterday, for Cheryl and Mary Grace, and for Will and for my son Rabbi David uh, who all have had surgery recently uh, and pray for especially those that are driving over from uh, the Gulf Breeze area and stuff to services where they now have about a three-hour drive to get back and forth to the synagogue. It's a uh, uh, pretty wear and tear on their time and their efforts so please pray with us that that bridge gets fixed quickly and uh, and that they can get back to a normal 10-minute drive across the bridge instead of the long drive they're having now. Okay, well, we are in Romans, and I love the Book of Romans. I hope that you've been enjoying this. If you haven't watched all of the videos preceding this one, they're available on both YouTube and on our website. You can catch up by watching those. If you enjoy this, again, please share this with other people. I really feel it's important for us to share... Uh, the Bible from an in-context perspective with other people so that they will be able to uh, understand the Bible in the way it was intended to be read. And we're studying Romans in context. And uh, I always start with the last verses that we did the week before as we begin the week. So we're in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of Adonai shall be saved. Now I want to stop for just a minute and remind you that when it says shall be, it doesn't mean is. Uh, it's important for us to understand that salvation is a process of, of things that go on. Uh, if we think of it in terms of Israel leaving Egypt, God uh, calls Israel out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, they get into the wilderness, then they have to cross the Jordan before they ultimately get into the Promised Land. They were redeemed when they left Egypt, but they didn't all make it into the Promised Land. So everyone who calls upon the name of Adonai shall be saved. And remember, when we talk about the name of Adonai or the name of something in the Bible, we're not talking about the syllables and sounds of letters put together to form a name, but we're talking on the character, nature, promises, power, authority of that one. So when we call upon Adonai, we call upon him because we know he can do the things that we uh, we need. He is our shield. He is our protector. He is our peace. He is our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our father. All of those things. And when we call upon him as our father, then we're relating to that and knowing that he is our father. And so we have an expectation of how he will act in our life based upon that relational connection. As our father. And when he's our healer, we're depending on him for our healing. We believe that he is the Lord who heals us. And so it's not just calling on a name like John or Bob or Tim or Tom or Mary or Susan, but it's calling upon the authority, the power, the promise, the character, the nature of the one that we're calling on, depending on them to be all that they say they were. And so when we look at the names of God, each one of them share an aspect of who God is to us, or at least who He should be to us, if we have faith in Him and call upon His name. Okay, verse fourteen. How then shall we call on the one whom they have not? Uh, how then shall they call on the one in whom they have not trusted? And how shall they trust in the one they've not heard of? And how shall they hear without someone proclaiming and? These are really basic questions that not only did uh, Paul write in his letter to the Romans, but I think these words speak to us today from the pages of the Bible and, and should speak to you and I individually as believers in Messiah. These are questions that are asked through the centuries directly to us about those people around us. How shall they trust in whom they haven't heard of? If we don't share the good news of Messiah, as our deliverer, as our redeemer, as our promised one, as the one who brought atonement for us, as the, the one that brought deliverance for us, how is anybody else supposed to trust in him? How are they supposed to have faith in him if they don't know and haven't heard of him? And listen, it's really important that you understand again that when we say haven't heard of him, that doesn't mean have never heard of Yeshua or Jesus, have never heard that name, have never watched a movie about him, have never uh, read a book about him or heard a joke about him or, or heard someone on the television talking about him. Again, when we're talking about heard of him, we're talking about heard of who they actually are. In other words, relationally, personally, testimonially, how they affected our life, how they changed us, how they brought us to be a new creation, uh, how they gave, us, how he gave us the power to be born anew. All of those things. It, it's not just to hear the name because. Anybody can say Bob or Tom or, or even Yeshua, but when it talks about hearing of them, it's talking about hearing the testimony of their power and authority as Hashem robed in flesh dwelling among us. It goes on to say, uh, how shall they hear without someone proclaiming? And again, that question goes all the way to you and I today. Are you proclaiming who He is? Are you proclaiming what He has done in your life. It's, it's not enough just to say, people, you should be doing this. For instance, you, you're not keeping the Sabbath, or, or you're committing fornication, or you're an alcoholic, or you're a drug addict, or, or you're doing this, or you're not doing this, or you should be doing this, or keeping the feasts and festivals. We're about to keep Pesach together and observe Passover. And, and so many times believers will almost be condemnatory toward people for not obeying the God they don't even know yet. Uh, for not following His commandments when they don't even know who He is and why they should follow His commandments. What has He done for them? And so when we proclaim, it's not just telling people how to live their life, but it's telling people how to have their lives totally and completely changed through the Messiah. How shall they proclaim unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news of good things. And again, Sending is something that Hashem does, so first you have to be uh, born again, you have to become a believer in Yeshua, you have to be uh, renewed in God, but beyond that, our proclamation from Yeshua was go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're all sent to go do ministry to those around us. And it's important that we do that. We're, we're not waiting for orders. We already have orders. When you arrived to this army of God, you already had standing orders to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, there may be different orders on how you do that, but the truth is that every one of us have already been sent. We're just too often waiting on orders that have already been sent and already been given to us, and it says, "...how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news of good things." Now that's actually a quote uh, that comes from Isaiah, a uh, part of it, and, and it says in Isaiah 61, 1, "...the Ruach Adonai Elohim, the Spirit of the Lord our God, is on me, because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. So Isaiah 60 1-1 1-1 one, one begins with this talk about the good news to the poor, and, and we have that same calling on our life. It continues on in 61-3, "...to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, so that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Adonai, that he may be glorified." They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore former desolations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Now, I'm reading on in Isaiah because too often we quote Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, but we don't continue on to find out the context that Isaiah was talking about and how that relates to this good news. So it talks about them rebuilding the ancient ruins, restoring the former desolations. They will repair the ruined cities and desolations of many generations. Now, This is not just talking about building back the cities, but the ancient ruins and these things that are formerly desolated is actually talking about God's commands and his words and his promises, which is what the cities are built upon, the foundation of all that we have. So when it talks about rebuilding the ancient ruins, it's not just talking about rebuilding Israel or rebuilding Jerusalem, but it's talking about rebuilding the foundation they were built upon, which is the word of God and the promises of God. And it continues to go on. It says, Strangers will stand and shepherd your flocks. Children of foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you will be called Koanim or priests of Adonai. They will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations and boast in their abundance. Again, we usually read verse 1 and 2 and then we stop, but it continues on, and verse 5 is so important, especially when we're dealing with this uh, context from Romans. Uh, chapter 10 and 11 because the context of Romans 10 or 11 is including the non-Jewish people, these people from the nations into the Commonwealth of Israel through the grafting in of God's Spirit by the renewing of them and making them new creations in Messiah Yeshua. And so it says in Isaiah 61, strangers will stand and shepherd your flocks. It's actually saying strangers, this is talking about and people from outside of Israel will begin to stand and shepherd your flocks. In other words, non-Jewish people, people from the nations will become so a part of the body of Messiah, so part of the people of God that they will become shepherds or roe, or pastors uh, over the flocks, over congregations, and the children of foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers. And again, when we talk about plowmen and vine dressers, we're not talking just about actual fields, but we're talking about the symbolism of spreading the gospel, of planting seeds, of, of bringing forth new believers into the body of Messiah. And it says, but you will be called Kohanim. Now, the scripture says that Israel was supposed to be a nation of of melech, of kings, and of koanim, of priests. And so this is a promise that when this happened, then Israel will become rightfully the priest that God had intended for them to be. It says they will speak of you as ministers of our God. The the people from the nations will speak of the people of Israel as the ministers of God. In other words, they will leave their false teachings and false religions and will come to the one true God of Israel, and they will be looking on the Jewish people, on the Israelites, as the people who are ministering God, and they will become part of that in a unique and powerful way. And it says, you will eat the wealth of nations and boast in their abundance. In other words, the nations will begin to give to the people of God in the way that God intended them. And there will be this symbiotic relationship of both the nations and Israel working together. And ultimately, this is how we read in uh, Ezekiel, where it talks about in the the millennial, all the nations of the earth will be coming to Jerusalem to worship. So there will still be nations, there will be Israel and there will be nations, but they will all be worshiping the God of Israel. They'll be sending representatives to Jerusalem on Sukkot to celebrate these feasts as God promised it would happen. So when we talk about these words from uh, Romans, we have to keep them in the context of what's happening in Isaiah and who's he, who he's talking about. Romans continues on with verse 16. But not all heeded the good news, for Isaiah says, Adonai, who has believed our report? So faith comes by from hearing, and hearing by the word of Messiah. But I say, have they never heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. And again, when we're reading the very first of this, it says, For Isaiah says, Adonai, who has believed our report? And when we turn to Isaiah, this actually comes from verse uh, chapter fifty three, verse one, where it says, "Who has believed our report?" And anybody who knows Isaiah fifty three, it's a, a prophetic word about Yeshua and about his death and about him being a, a sacrifice for our sins and and all that goes on there. And it says in Isaiah fifty three "Who has believed our report?" And to whom is the arm of Adonai revealed? And the arm of Adonai, remember that, uh, that Yeshua is, repre- is, is uh, referred to as the arm of Adonai, as his right hand, as, as uh, and he actually says, with the hand of God or the finger of God, I cast out demons. And, and so it's referring to Yeshua. It says, who has believed a report? And, and this discussion is, again, here Paul is talking about Israel and saying, uh, I don't know who is believer or report, that's talking about Israel, and it says, but I say, have they never heard? He's talking about Israel. So we're comparing the difference between these Jewish believers who are supposed to spread the word, or Israel is supposed to spread the word to the nations who have not yet heard, but then now we're dealing with those that have heard the word, those that have been given the word. God gave Israel the Torah way back in Moses' time, and they should have understood these things, and they should have known what's happening. So we're dealing with those that should know Adonai and don't, and those that don't know him but should. And both sides of this is stuff we have to minister and deal with. In John 12, and now we're jumping from Romans to Isaiah to John, because John quotes this same verse from uh, Isaiah and from Romans, it says this was to fulfill the word of Adonai the prophet who said Adonai who has believed our report to whom has the arm of Adonai been revealed for this reason they could not believe for Isaiah also said he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they might not see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts and turn back and I would heal them and this is from Isaiah Uh, chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 43, this blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts verses. And so these are quotes from Isaiah, again, talking about Israel, and it isn't, again, when we talk about God blinding Israel's eyes, it's not talking about God forcibly blinding their eyes when they would have seen, but this is the same kind of expression as when God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It wasn't that God forced Pharaoh to have a hardened heart. He allowed him to have the heart that he desired to have. And the Israelites chose to be blinded to Yeshua by their own choice to follow after uh, their, the false teachings, to become politically, uh, have politically appointed priests in the temple, to to do all the things that they have done that have that have changed God's word even by the time of Yeshua. So much had changed that they were no longer following in the direct paths of Adonai. And because of that, they were blinded and their uh, their eyes were blinded and their hearts were hardened. It wasn't that God wanted them that way. It's that they chose to be hard-hearted and blinded by their own desires, their own understandings, their own way of doing things. And so that's what Isaiah is talking about in both Isaiah chapter 6 and 43, what John is quoting in John 12 and what we read about in Isaiah 53 and Romans. Romans continues with verse 19. But I say, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. With a nation empty of understanding, I will vex you. And it continues on, and Isaiah is so bold as to say, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became visible to those who did not ask for me. But about Israel, he said, all day long I stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And so again, God is speaking uh, in in Romans through the writing of Paul, and he's referring to Moses who said, I will provoke you to jealousy by a nation, by those who are not a nation. And and when we read in Romans in just a little bit as we continue on, you'll find that one of the roles of the non-Jewish believers or the, the Gentile believers, those from the nations who have been grafted into Israel, is to uh, provoke the Jews to jealousy, and so that's what we're talking about here. I, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation with a nation empty of understanding. I'll vex you, and it says, "Those that weren't looking for me found me, and those that were supposed to see I stretched my hand to, but they were disobedient and contrary." Romans 11.1 1 continues with, "I say then, God has not rejected His people, has He?" May it never be. And this is so important. Listen, if you don't pay attention to any other part of this message, of this lesson today, remember Romans verse uh, chapter 11, verse 1. God has not rejected his people. God has not rejected his people. This is so important because there is such a divisive and demonic doctrine out there called replacement theology that says God rejected Israel and replaced them with the church, the spiritual Israel, or the new Israel. That's contrary to the very text of the Bible when God says he has not rejected his people through the writings of Paul. I say then God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, for I am an Israelite. I am of the seed of Abraham. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, I want to point out a couple of things just as a side note here, because I know people read things and watch things on the internet. Notice that uh, Paul says he's a Benjamin, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was one of the tribes from the southern kingdom. You remember, you had Israel was divided into the northern ten tribes and the southern tribes, and so we had Judah and Benjamin and half of the tribe of, of Levi that were the tribe of Judah. But Paul doesn't refer to himself as, I am a Judahite. He says, I am an Israelite. Even though he's from the southern kingdom, he refers to himself as part of Israel, the entire nation, not just as Judah. So there are people out there that teach that, that, that the people from Judah became the Jews and the people from Israel were, the, were Israel and that the Jews come from the, the tribe of Judah or the nation Judah in that way. But Paul refers to himself as both a Jew and an Israelite both, And it's important for us to note that there, there's this separation that people want to put into this that doesn't exist biblically in the way they say. Okay, verse uh, chapter 11, verse 2. God has not rejected his people whom he knew beforehand. Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Adonai, they have killed your prophets. They have destroyed your altars. I am left, I, am, I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And this is when, when Elijah is hiding and he's feeling bad about himself, and he says, I'm the only one left, and Hashem says, there's still 7,000 men who have not bowed their knee to Baal. So in the same way also, at this present time, there has come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. And there has always been and will always be a remnant of Jewish people that are believers in the fullness of God's word, in the promises of His Torah. And there were thousands of Jewish believers, hundreds of thousands of Jewish believers, In the first century in just a few years after the death of Messiah there was a massive amount of Jewish believers it wasn't just the twelve and then they went out to the nations because Israel turned them turned down Yeshua it was hundreds of thousands of Jewish believers that came to uh, faith in Messiah Yeshua Uh, continuing on but if it's by grace it is no longer by works otherwise Grace uh, uh, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel is seeking, it has not obtained, but the elected obtained, elect obtained it, and the rest were hardened. And again, when we talk about Israel, we have to determine where, how is this context being used because when it talks about the elect, they were also Israel. What, is it, what Israel is seeking, it has not obtained. It's talking about the majority who have, who have not obtained faith in Messiah yet, Uh, and the elect who have, this remnant who have, but the rest were hardened. Just as written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes not to see, ears not to hear, until this very day. That's the day that Paul was writing, and more and more Jewish people accepted Yeshua after uh, the writing of this book, and more and more have accepted Yeshua over the years since, as a matter of fact, since 1967, More Jewish people have accepted Yeshua as the Messiah than all of the generations before combined. Think about the number of Jewish people that have accepted Yeshua that are believers today. It's just amazing to think about it. Romans 11.9 And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they do not see, and bend their back continually. I say then, did they, I'm sorry, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their false steps, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. And again, that verse I said earlier where God said he would use the nations to provoke Israel, that's what's happening. And it's not that God, uh, that Israel fell, just that they stumbled. They, they took a, a misstep, a false step. They, they tripped over uh, the truth that was in, the, in front of them and, the, and they stumbled, but they did not fall, and God did not turn his back on them. But this happened so that the Gentiles would prov- be uh, grafted in and provoke Israel to jealousy. It says Now, if their transgression leads to the riches for the world and their loss riches to Gentiles, how the Gentiles, then how much more their fullness? And again, understand this is so contrary to the replacement theology nonsense and that demonic doctrine that's spread because it says, how much more will this be a blessing when the Jewish people come to faith in Messiah? When all Israel comes together, it says, but I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. Insofar as I'm an emissary to the Gentiles, I spotlight my ministry. And again, Paul is talking to believers. The book of Romans is written to believers. It starts out to the believers, to the congregation in Rome. And he says, I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. And and listen, this is so important because just as we have the word Israel used to cover those that are Israelite that are not yet believers, those Israelites that are believers that are Jewish uh, from a a genetic, from a, 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 a genealogical connection to Abraham and Israel that includes Gentiles who have been grafted in and are part of the Commonwealth of Israel. The word Gentile is used both in a negative and a positive context. Here, Paul is not using the word Gentile when he says, but I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. Uh, He's not speaking to them in a negative way. He is not demeaning them. He's just saying, I'm speaking to you who are from the nations insofar as I'm an emissary to the nations, I spotlight my ministry. If somehow I might provoke to jealousy my own flesh and blood and save some of them. So he's speaking to these non-Jewish believers. And he's saying, I'm an emissary to the nations, to both Jews and non-Jews, but I'm speaking to the non-Jews right now in so much that I might provoke to jealousy my Jewish people, my own flesh and blood, that some of them might be saved. So it's important because people out there will parse out these things in different ways. There is... Nothing wrong with somebody being called, at least, according to the writings of Paul in the Bible, a Gentile who is a believer, as long as the context of that verse is speaking positively about them, we see it as a positive thing. People from the nations who have become grafted into Israel, they're part of Israel. Just like there's Jews and uh, there, there's Jews and Greeks, there's also male and female. When a female or a male becomes a new believer and become part of Israel by grafting in, they don't change sexes, they don't physically change, into some amalgamous kind of male-female thing, but they're unique in their roles and functions, and likewise, the Gentiles don't physically change to become Jewish. They become followers of the biblical faith, which I call and refer to as Judaism, and so do so many others. So there's nothing wrong with being a Gentile who believes It depends on the context that it's used in. And so, as far as I'm an emissary to the Gentiles, I spotlight my ministry. If somehow I might provoke to jealousy my own flesh and blood and save some of them. And that jealousy and that provoking references back to Isaiah we read earlier and earlier from Romans. For if the rejection leads to the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Talking about Israel and life from the dead. If the first fruits is holy, so the whole batch of dough. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became a partaker of the root of the olive tree with its richness, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, it's not you who support the root, but the root who supports you. And again, it's so important for us to understand this concept of the olive trees and these olive branches and the olive fruit that is grafted into this tree. I am a Jewish believer. My family is Jewish as far back as we we can tell. Matter of fact, we did a recent DNA test in my family and it came back 100% European Jewish, but my family were not believers in Yeshua, so my family were branches that have been broken off of this olive tree and I am a branch that has been regrafted into this olive tree. I'm a natural branch regrafted into the olive tree. And if you are a non Jewish believer, you are a wild olive branch that's grafted into the olive tree. Now, that doesn't change the type of olive, it just feeds off the same tree and the same root. We feed off the same root. We have the same truth. We have the same God. We have the same faith. We have the same Bible, the same word, the same uh, opportunity to serve, the same commandments in our life that, are, that affect us as those commandments do. If you're a woman, there's commandments to you that aren't to men and so on. But we're part of this same tree in unity And wild olives aren't demeaned because they're wild olives. As a matter of fact, wild olives sometimes can be better than the natural olives. It's a uniqueness that God does in this powerful way to bring unity to us, Jew and non-Jew, one in the Messiah, one in faith in our biblical Judaism. It says, do not boast against the branches. So if you're a non-Jewish believer... (coughs) Don't boast uh, that I'm a person of faith and I follow the Lord and there's those Jews who don't. That's what leads to replacement theology. That what leads to this separation. Uh, the broke branches were broken off so that you might be grafted in. And so you were grafted in and, and true enough they were broken off because of their unbelief and you stand by faith. But don't be arrogant but fear for God did not spare the natural branches neither will he spare you. And remember at the very beginning of this where we talked about you shall be saved and I mentioned that this is a a process of of salvation we are redeemed but we will be saved remember verse 21 says for if God didn't spare the natural branches neither will he spare you if you are a wild branch who's been grafted into the olive tree but you stop walking you become blinded because of your own uh, disobedience and, and all that, you can be broken off of the tree also. Notice then the kindness and severity of God, severity of God to those who fell, but God's kindness toward you. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. It can't be said any clearer than that. We all, whether we're Jewish like myself or non-Jewish like some that are watching and some of you out there and Jewish that are out there, both of us, we've been regrafted into this tree. What an opportunity, what a blessing that God provided a way for us to be restored to the tree, but don't take it for granted. And don't become rebellious and don't become fearful and and pull away and don't let circumstances change you from being obedient to him and walking in his ways because if we don't continue in his kindness, we can be cut off. We're going to continue from there next week as we continue our study. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And I hope that you'll share it with others if it has been. Looking forward to seeing you on Shabbat for uh, Isaac and Israel's Bar Mitzvah, as well as the other events going on. And don't forget to download our app. Not only can you download the app and get the weekly Parsha readings right into your phone uh, to where you can keep up with them, but you can also read the other blogs and information about our synagogue teachings, watch other videos from the past, and you can make donations to our synagogue should you feel led to support the ministry here at Bridham just by using the app or online at shalompensacola.com. Thank you so much and blessings. Shalom.